Welcome to Unstoppable You with Christine Patton. Does it seem like something could be holding you and your business back from your dream of great success? Can you put your finger on what that is? In today's show, you'll learn the tools and patterns that will guide you toward the success that you dream of. Now, here's your host, Christine Patton. Hello, hello everyone. It's Thursday, November 5th, 2020. We're still in that year. And welcome back to Unstoppable You. This is a show where we discuss lasting strategies in empowerment, resilience, and passion to conquer the game of business and life because you are your business. I'm so glad you're here today. I have a really beautiful guest with me today. Her name is Layla Kamushian. She's an immigration lawyer practicing in the Los Angeles area and a yogi. Now, traditionally, no one would have ever put those two practices together in the same sentence, but alas, times are different. And more and more, professional people are finding alternative ways to help themselves show up amidst the stress and strife present in their craft, be it law, medicine, accounting, business, entrepreneurship of all kinds. And if you, just, if you go to work every day, we have to show up and be the best that we can be at the office or wherever it is that we're working. A healthy, whole business practice these days truly requires a balanced approach. It's terrific to hear that so many are embracing things like yoga, meditation, and heart math practices. But before I introduce Layla further, I'd like to remind you about the contest I'm running for you listeners. You need but listen to each episode and engage with me on my Facebook pages with an answer to the question I have posed on the show in order to receive a free module of coaching from my most popular coaching programs, either the Empowerment Module or the Resilience Module. And this is two free months of coaching at a value of $1,500. You can go to my website at powerwithin.ca and check out my Elite Performance Plan. You can leave your comments on either of my Facebook pages, my Power Within coaching page, or my personal page at Chris Patton. And I'm looking forward to learning how you might be learning and benefiting from these episodes to create a more unstoppable you. And please like me on Facebook while you're there. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, because you have a great message of empowerment, resilience, or passion, let me know at chris at powerwithin.ca. And if you'd like to sponsor the show, same deal. So last week... We had the great pleasure of hearing from Deborah Rosman, the president and co-CEO of the HeartMath Institute. It was great to catch up with her and see what new amazing things HeartMath is doing in the world today. We also got a bit into the HeartMath system and how to change your physiology with the tools and tips she gave us. And I hope you enjoyed learning from her as much as I did. So today, we're blessed again to have Layla Kamushin here. And let me read your bio, Layla, so everyone has an idea what you're about. She is an attorney in Los Angeles, a community builder, and a passionate advocate for wellness. Layla completed her undergraduate degree in psychology from UCLA and subsequently earned her JD from Loyola Law School, that's Juris Doctorate, after several years of practicing law and motivated by her own family's firsthand experience of the U.S. immigration process, in 2011, Layla founded her law firm with the current focus on immigration practice. Her vision and goal has been delivering creative, culturally sensitive, and mindful solutions to her clients. Layla is also an avid student of yoga and meditation. She feels passionate about wellness and uses the tools and the techniques she's learned in various mindfulness practices in her daily life as a lawyer. Currently, and this is a new thing for her, she's a member of California Lawyers Association's Health and Wellness Committee and hopes to bring her knowledge and experience of wellness practices to the legal community. 
Born in Tehran, Layla has lived in Los Angeles for 30 years and considers herself a true Angelino, knowing every secret back way that cuts through the LA traffic. God, you'd need to know that. She loves to cook without ever following a recipe, drinks a glass of great Cabernet Sauvignon, goes on sunset hikes, and watch the airplanes goes by in her free time. Welcome, Layla. How are you? Hi, Christine. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. I'm so happy to have you. We we have a shared experience in practicing law and searching alternative ways to help ourselves feel better, whether we stayed in the practice of law. I didn't. <laughs> and you did. You chose to stay in the practice of law. And I think that's amazing because it's not easy. I know it's not. I'm still here. <laughs> you show it. I learned it's a practice, right? So I got it. I don't have to do it anymore. That's what I say. <laughs> my lawyer friends. I don't need to do that anymore. So, you know, you told me a very interesting story um, a while ago. We've known each other for a bit now, several months, um, about how you chose to actually attend law school. And I thought maybe we could, I mean, if you tell me whatever you'd like to talk about today, whatever your message is about how to stay grounded within your craft. Um. But I think your story is interesting uh, about how you chose law school. You, you, you almost kind of fell into it. You were called. Um, so tell Correct. me about that, how you started in this. So uh, when I was at UCLA getting my bachelor's degree in psychology, I was in my fourth year, my last year of UCLA, and I was a psychology major and bound to go on probably getting my master's degree in psychology or becoming a therapist. That was my path. And I I got a job, a part-time job at a nonprofit my fall semester. Um, And I was just doing administrative office work for a project that was funded by the Office of Civil Rights Monitor. Okay. And what that project did was we were um, hired, the, the nonprofit was hired to go out and do uh, what they called discrimination testing at Denny's restaurants. Uh, And if you have been a lawyer practicing law long enough, you know the Denny's case, which was a class action that came out in the early 90s. uh, And Denny's restaurants were um, basically... They had to pay out about last night. I looked this up. Isn't that funny? After 20 and you years, sent it to I, me. Yeah, I did. I Googled it because I wasn't <laughs> sure how much it was, but it was about something in the $50 million settlement. Uh, and just to be action. clear, we're not, we're not betraying any confidences here. Uh, you're no. not under any gag order. This has been reported and this has also been in the news, right? Absolutely. Got it. So the the uh, the what basically what I did is I I helped this um, my project manager, and we had people go out and um, eat at Denny's and uh, test to see whether or not they were following the protocol which where they were supposed to, right? So whether and they were serving equally and properly is that kind of what? Yeah. So there were different testing testing components. So one of them was we would send out a group of let's say um, minorities, and then a group of white people, non minorities. Yeah. Yes, exactly, non minorities, and we would test how they would uh, they would be treated differently, or yeah. if they would be treated differently. Right. Um, and 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 it varied between how long it took them to get seated. Um, whether or not there were any errors in the bill and and then 
they had to basically hold up. And if, if any, if there was any discrimination going on, their employees had to be trained and all of that. And that during that job, I really became fascinated with obviously civil rights discrimination uh, cases and, um, fascinated with the women, the female lawyer by the name of Sharon Hartman, who was designated to basically handle this project. So she was uh, the lead she, counsel. Okay. Well, she wasn't the lead counsel on the oh. settlement, but she was hired by the Office of Civil Rights Monitor to make sure that the testing would go on. I see. Okay. And I looked her up last night. Um, she's California-based, and I realized she's retired. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, Anyhow, so that was what really sparked something um, where I decided I'm going to take the LSAT. And the LSAT is the exam you take before you apply to law school. Yeah, law school admissions test for those who Exactly, exactly. And I applied and the next thing I know, I was sending out my law school applications. And and the next thing I know, I was sitting in a 1L or first year of law school class at Loyola Law School. I mean, it it took a couple years for that. Sure. Uh, and that's where I was. Excellent. I remember um, sitting in one of the first lectures in, in the lecture hall. I went to University of Windsor uh, for uh, law school. And they did that traditional look to the left, look to the right. One of you's not going to make it. And I said, yes. oh, well, that's me. I mean, I have an undergraduate degree in psychology like you and phys ed. Um, and I was heading for a teaching um, career. And in fact, when I got into um, Windsor Law, I had also been accepted into the, the Teachers College at Windsor as well. So, um, but I chose law I, I, and I, I'm not still today, not sure exactly what that was all about. That's not true. I learned a lot. I learned a lot in my practice in, in law school. So, so tell me, was there any time during law school or articles that you thought, oh my God, this is not what I really want? Is there anything at yes. that time where you questioned? Okay, tell me about that. So law school, as anyone who's gone through it knows. Oh, it's so very- easy. <laughs> Don't lie. <laughs> right. Right. Um, it's very stressful. Um, and it's not just the volume. It's also the material. And, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of law school texts and material are boring, it's oh, not no, it's right. Not it's not. It's not the exciting. It's. It's not what I learned, you know, at my job, and was also excited about, you know, civil rights work. You get there, and nobody's talking. You know, you're reading contract law and property law, and you're <laughs> exactly. It's, it's not, not like it's, suits, right? <laughs> Where you wear these designer dresses and stilettos and yell at people, uh, yes. every day. It, it's not like that. No. No, no, not the one L, you know, the first year of law school, it, it really it can, it can make you or break you, right? Absolutely, yep. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, I did feel the same way. Plus, I was working and going to law school in the evening. So that was even more stressful. And, um, you know, we're going to get into this later. But the first time that I actually f- became really ill, um, was first year of law school because of what I was eating and I wasn't eating um, the right food and I was, you know, the times that I was eating. So I actually ended up in the ER and oh. that was the beginning of, oh, you know, this stress is going to get to me. 
Mm-hmm. I'd better start taking care of myself. Right. Yeah. And I, I think I remember too, my first Christmas when I went home, I got very sick. And I think it was just the stress. I mean, that first semester you're there, well, it, me anyway, um, I questioned I questioned why I was there, how how I was going to do this. And funny enough, as I as I went through law school, like you, my marks got better as I settled into the process and I learned how to study and I learned, you know, what to take from the cases we had to read, the millions of cases, you know, with the stare decisis or, or whatever was important. And, and I think by my third year, I mean, I was student law society president, so that tells you I had time on my hands. <laughs> And so, and it just, it gets, it's a process, right? It's, and I think that's what the LSAT tries to do is weed out the people who aren't, who, who don't have the logic or the the way of thinking that you need in law school. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably talking about stuff that no one wants to know about, but did you always practice immigration law? No. So I, um, when I actually passed the bar and started practicing, I was working for, um, insurance defense firms and as you know basically you're hired by the insurance companies to to defend mm-hmm. lost various types of losses right so right. i was doing civil litigation uh going to depositions going to court i mm-hmm. remember i used to drive out you know they would send the first year associates to a really long uh <laughs> drives to to be there at 8 30 in the morning they had to get Absolutely. up at five <laughs> yes or four <laughs> This is before it. court call and before Zoom uh, Zoom calls for court. Exactly. No, you had to be there. That's right. Right. So, no, I, I didn't do immigration until a few years later. And it kind of, that was also something that happened organically. Uh, and it fell into my lap. And I, I, you know, people that I knew, family, friends, community, there was a need and they would call me and I, I decided, okay, I should learn this on my own. And that's what I did. Good for you. And so how long have you been doing that now? Um, officially, I, I, I think it's been nine years since 2011. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if you do the math. And I, right. I, I, did, I did pass math at one point. Um, okay. Now, so tell me about your immigration practice. Like, what do you love about your work? Or what keeps you in it? What's exciting? Well, that's a, that's, that's a hot topic. So um, immigration is, is a, it's very interesting. Um, and um, because I used to do civil litigation, and in most of my cases before, as you know, it, it was about money. Mm-hmm. So you sue for damages, and at the end of the day, you'll get a settlement check, Right. Hopefully, that's the whole price. That's the goal. You have to pay anything. At the end of the day, it was about how much how much you want to get for your client, or how much you don't want your client to pay. Right. Right. Exactly. And in my experience, no matter how much money you got, if the litigation was it went on for too long, um, everybody lost. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? There's an economic reality to this, for sure. And with the, the difference with, between that and immigration is that at the end of the day, if you succeed in your case of immigration for your client and you get them what they want, it's, it's life-changing. You're a hero. Mm-hmm. And if well, you don't, it, it not, well. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I'm a hero, but, but the result the result and what you're getting for your client is beyond money. 
Right. You, you give somebody their, their legal status or their work permit, uh, and you can change their life. Absolutely. Okay. And that's and what that turns you on. Difference. Right. That's what keeps me going, despite all the challenges. Mm-hmm. And it must be interesting to learn about people's uh, background, like where they come from, why they want to be there, what they want to do with their life. Do you get involved in that? I, I'm constantly involved in my clients' stories, and they're fascinating. I have a map here. I don't, you, well, it's the radio, so you can't see. Um, I have 30, I have represented 30, 34 different countries. Wow. Uh, and I just pinned the map. It's beautiful. I learned so much about different cultures from my clients. I love that. I should have done immigration law. Darn it. <laughs> I might still be in it. Okay, so... What makes you good at that? What makes you good at the practice of immigration law? Because I know you are. I, I think I'm going to tell this based on what I've, I've heard my clients tell me. Sure. Uh, and it's that they say to me, you actually are really interested in our story. Mm-hmm. So it's the empathy, the sensitivity, and the cultural oh, sensitivity, right? It, it's that. And also, I'm just fascinated by, by people's stories. That could mm-hmm. be that. I mean, it, I'm truly fascinated about where people come from, why they come here, why they want to stay here. And I want to help them with that goal. That's amazing. Um, because you're putting your heart into your practice. This is more than just knowing the law and knowing the rules and the procedures and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, I love that you're really involved with your whole being and your whole heart and, and you're listening with your with your, um, your, your heart-based um, sensitivity. That's a beautiful part of what you do. Um, and you, your family immigrated to the States three years ago from Tehran. 30 years ago. 30, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, was, it, was it an easy process? Was it difficult? Um, no, it wasn't, it wasn't as easy. Um, uh, it took, it took a long time. We had to come. My mom came separately with my brother and sister, and then I came with my dad. Okay. And we reunited as a lot of families have that, uh, reunification story when you talk to them. Um, so it wasn't that easy. And actually that shaped, uh, uh, why I actually went into immigration law as well. And it would, you know, having, having lived through something like that. You, I would imagine you'd want to make the process easier and as um, sensitive and um, more of a welcoming process than maybe you experienced. Correct. Correct. And I actually relive some of those memories once in a while with my clients. Ah, beautiful. And that's what makes you great at, at what you do because you've gone through it. Okay, well, it looks like we need to head out for a commercial break. Uh, man, time flies when you're having fun. Don't go away. We'll be back for more of the lovely Layla telling us about how she created a healthier approach to her practice of law that we can all take a page out of. Be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Unstoppable You. To reach Christine Patton or her guest on the show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email during the week to chris at powerwithin.ca. Now, back to Unstoppable You. And we're back. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, We're here with Leila Kamushin, uh, immigration lawyer in the Los Angeles area. And we talked a little bit in the first section about her introduction to law, why she was inspired to uh, begin practice, to go to law school and then to begin her practice and to stay in her practice um, because of her lovely heart and how she's available to her clients to be more than, you know, a rule governor, which, which is what uh, I've often called many lawyers. Now, I'd like to know your story about, well, your big case. You know, your really inspiring story of how you helped somebody uh, with health benefits. Uh, I think this would be really interesting for our listeners. Right. So uh, I had already been practicing law at that point, probably four or five years. Um, And I was working for a firm at that point, and we had a gentleman walk in um, who told us that he had um, health insurance and they had cut off his benefits and came in and gave us the facts as, you know, he, he thought he was wrongfully terminated. Mm-hmm. He was HIV positive and mm-hmm. also had multiple sclerosis. So, and um, when was this, Layla? This is, a bit, this is probably 2010 or 11. So, it's, okay. it's, it was a, it's a while back. Sure. And he was not able to get his medication because the monthly cost was about $10,000. Was, you know, he was going through a lot. And what, what happened is we took the case on, we got the file, we ordered the file, we subpoenaed to see what happened, why did he get terminated. Turns out that there was they, it was an error on the part of the health insurance company. And uh, we asked them to go to, we had to go to arbitration. There was an arbitration clause. So we said we were going to go to arbitration. And we also asked to reinstate his benefits. Now, mind you, all of this is taking time with procedural, as you know, uh, obviously this is like a a, a labyrinth that people are uh, working in. And uh, this And the other thing, if the person can't afford the medication, What's right. happening with their health, right? So wow. I think of, I'll call him Joe. Okay, so what Joe was doing was he was paying some for out of pocket and probably not taking some of them, right? He was cutting off his his, his medication. Mm-hmm. And what this is the interesting part of this case. He had gone through the administrative grievance uh, procedures with the health insurance company. I won't name them either. Mm-hmm. And to the end of it. 
And through the grievance uh, procedure, he had gotten denied all the way to the end. So what I did is I called, obviously, I, we wrote a letter to their uh, law firm that represented them and their in-house counsel. And I said, I, I said, I want to speak to the lawyer because now I'm the lawyer and the lawyer is going to speak to the lawyer. And that's the only person I will speak to. I won't talk to anyone in grievance or compliance. And that's what happened. So finally, I got a call from this woman. We'll call her Susan. Susan called me and she's representing the health insurance company. And her and I started communicating. We went to arbitration. We got him back on the plan. They reinstated his benefits. They admitted that it was their error. Through that case is when I realized how much power we as lawyers have right. for our client. And through the experience of handling that case, that I can tell you that was the very first time after four years of practicing law that I, I felt empowered. You got him a big award, I think, you told me? Um, we got him about 80000 or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we did get him some money, but I think this was more than money. The value was more than money. Mm-hmm. And the value, the, 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 te- the lesson of the case for me was that, oh, wow, look at me. Like, I, you know, the, the education that I got actually is paying off for, for clients and the people that we can help. Yeah. That, you know, Especially in light of a constant no, 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 denial, denial, denial. You know, when you get to see that in spite of that stonewalling, that that seemingly huge moat in front of the castle in front of you, you got over it. And that's empowering. That's inspiring, really, yes. those stories. Uh, any other stories you want to share? Funny, inspiring, <laughs> anything that our listeners might find of some interest? I have I have a lot of stories. I could go on probably for hours if I were to start telling stories. I ha- I have another spying story. Is we had I had a different client where um, this is all I, I'm I'm not referencing any immigration. So this this client this other client of mine um, had a family dispute over property, and when they came to me, um, it wasn't pretty at all. Never is. And that <laughs> so we had to we had to search title. We had to. Uh, kind of go back and pull up these documents from 1980s about the title of the house um, and the mother wasn't feeling well. So there was a lot of social service um, components that went into this case to get the, the help that the mother deserved. Uh, it took a few months, but we got title into our client's name. They were able to uh, sell the house and put the mother in a nursing home to pay for it and um, actually move away from Los Angeles and get, buy another property. But they always came back and told me that, that you know, you know, they always said you're our angel. And I, I don't really think of myself as an angel. I just think that I, I, I took the case on. I treated them like they were my own family. Mm-hmm. And I, d- I did my due diligence that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one of the things I did is I was trying to get a hold of this person at the title company, uh, calling and emailing, and it wasn't working at all. So I <laughs> one day got into my car and I drove 
to where they were at, the title company. And I literally walked into their office. Now, this is before COVID where you could just do that. Right. Um, yeah. And you won't get kicked out. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I sat in the lobby. I said, hey, I'm here to talk to Scott. Is Scott here? And they were like, well, he's here. So I said, you know, Scott, I need to get this thing done for the client. It's been kind of lagging for a few days. Can we just get it done while I'm here? I, I said I was in the neighborhood. I was just, you know, getting some coffee in your neighborhood. And he actually took me into his office and I sat there for half an hour. We got it done. And if I, you know, when I train law clerks or lawyers, uh, you know, I always tell them, you know what? Sometimes you just have to go beyond, beyond what you think the practice of law is and get in your car and drive somewhere, get something done that you need to get done. Exactly. And the other thing is be nice about it. You know, it's it's what that um, you'll attract more uh, flies or bees with honey than vinegar, right? But but you know what? It's it's hard some days. It's hard to be it's hard to be nice. Um, it's when times are difficult. That's the last thing sometimes. That's the last thing that people think of sometimes to be. So I'm interested in this, and the listeners will want to know how long in your practice before you began feeling you know more depleted burned out, stressed out, whatever you want to call it, beyond what you thought you could handle or you started thinking about making a change or whatever it was that happened? Probably three three to four years. Okay. It, it was probably that, that long that I've been practicing where one of the reasons that you feel depleted is not just the times that you put in. Um, and that matters. I mean, if, if you work at a law firm that has billable hours, you know that number one expectation they have is that not only you stay beyond beyond the normal, you know, five or six o'clock. I was told that I need to show up and show my face on Saturday or Sunday. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And over time, obviously that starts depleting people. Well, what depletes you as a lawyer, as a young lawyer, more than anything is this, that you, you don't have the passion for what you're doing. That you also don't have a whole lot of control over your work. That's the hard part. Somebody's always telling you what to do. Correct. If you yeah. work for if you work for In firms firm. and other yeah. people, right? And and you work for a, for someone that is sort of that type of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what they call them, slave driving uh, boss. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just call I'm, it a, a spade a spade. I'm trying to be nice here. Oh, don't be yeah. nice. Be like me. Just say it as it is. Right. <laughs> no, maybe you better be the balance. I'll be the bad cop. You be the good cop. Yes. Yes. So I, I guess, yes, if you work for that type of um, uh, culture, okay, ah, let's call one. it culture, yes. right? Very good. Then, yes, they, 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 very soon. And if you, that's where we're going to get into this. What is your practice? So the, my recommendation to someone who's listening and is in that, you know, situation right now, okay, is not to quit, okay? My recommendation is, okay, let's work with what you have. If you have a nasty boss, let's work with that. Very good. Right, right? Pick your battles. Right, exactly. So we can talk about building a practice to be able to not only survive in whatever situation you have, but but start thriving. Exactly. Did, Did you ever consider leaving the practice and doing something else? Did it get that bad? I did. I, I, you mean t- something other than the law? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I did. And then I did take some time off. I actually left the country 
for a few months. And I thought in my head, I was, I actually did think this is it. This is the end of practicing law for me. I did. Mm. And I, I had no idea what was going to happen next or what I would do with my life or what, what other skills I had. I didn't at that time, but, but I, I eventually came back. It came back to the practice and I just changed the way um, I did handled. Mm-hmm. And, right. and you change you because that's the, that's the common denominator, right? It's you doing the work. You can't, you have no control, right? Over anyone else or anything else around us. The only thing we can control is us. So that's what's got to change, right? And you did. Exactly. Good exactly. You. It's what you do. So I, when I came back to the practice, I, at around the same time, uh, started my um, rigorous yoga practice. Okay. And we talked about that. And I remember I was going, um, about, at that point, I was probably going three to four times a week. Wow. Right after work. What okay. kind of yoga were you doing? I was doing Hatha yoga, um, your, uh, or, uh, you know, here in LA, they call it power yoga, but that's a very Americanized version. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but with power, they just mean, okay, you're going to, uh, it's going to be a little bit hotter and you're going to sweat a lot. <laughs> right. And did you right. find that the four days a week was helping you feel better? Yes. Yeah, so it wasn't, here's the, the magic of yoga. It wasn't just that I was feeling better right. physically and mentally. Something else started happening. Mm-hmm. And this is where, this is exactly, I'm I passionate about talking about yoga. What happened was I, I realized that I, all I was doing is showing up on my mat three to four times a week. Right. And somehow, miraculously, everything else was, was working out outside of that. Everything else in my life, in my work or my relationship, outside of the mat was also working out. Oh, wow. Now, that's a cool That's the miracle result. of yoga. That's a miracle of yoga. And I try to, people, try to tell people that sometimes. And they just look at me, okay, you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never been told that ever. <laughs> it's a good weird, though. Right? Yeah. So, they say, oh, you weirdo, you know. Uh, how, much more, how much more can you achieve with yoga, right? Wow. And, um, and that, that started my interest in, well, what is, what is it that really is happening? Yeah, what's here? happening? Absolutely. Yeah, what's happening? So before and you I get s- into that, so tell us, so for example, like what was changing in your life? What, what was happening? One example. So for example, um, I started noticing that cases that I was handling were moving um, smooth, more in a more smoother fashion. Wow. Or I was not as uh, angry, so I was getting along with opposing counsel better. Right. I was more patient with my clients, all of that, right? Beautiful. And wondered where, what, where it's happening, where is this coming from? And I, it took me years to actually make the connection. Okay. Interesting. The, right? Yeah. So the connection is, is the whole connection of, and, you know, I know that your website and your, your business is called Power Within. So, the connection is what happens within exactly. is reflected without. As within, so without. Right. As above, so below. It's so true. Because so, we're connected, right? You understand. And that's what you learn in yoga is we're all connected. We're all one. 
Exactly. And so if, if you're changing, if you're doing that something that is changing yourself and how you feel inside, that's going to get reflected in your life outside. And it's so, so automatic that you don't have to think about it. Right. It just becomes ingrained into who you are and how you do business, which means your everyday routine, your everyday life, right? Correct. Correct. I love that. Um, do you do anything else besides yoga now? Um, is there any other yes. practice that you've ingrained into your life? Yeah, and I, I also started my daily meditation practice a um, long time ago as well. And um, when I say daily, it's, it, uh, it's a goal of daily. Sure. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, but you only practice not- law on the side. I, I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's, uh, I, I want to say that my goal is to meditate 15 minutes a day at least. Some days I skip it, but it's still a practice that I hold very, very um, religiously to. Mm-hmm. And that's also very, very helpful in how your day turns out to be. Because I know you do the same thing with, with your heart math. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I've got about a 40, 45-minute practice in the morning. And not everybody can do that, but I can, and I make it part of my day. I do 15 minutes of the heart math with my M-Wave. I do a five-minute game. It's, it's um, on the M-Wave. Again, that's heart math technology. Deborah talked a little bit about this last week. Um, and uh, then I do a breathing exercise and then I do a visualization exercise and it's all, and what I see is a world where everyone lives in harmony, where we all love each other. There's no, there's no differences. Everyone is happy and everyone is living empowered lives, including me. And I sometimes, you know, I pray about things for myself, but I also pray about whatever I want for myself. I want to share with others and and I want to create this beautiful world where everybody feels really, really good about what they're doing and and what's happening do you do the same i i um i try to do the same um what and i i would love for you to tell me where is the where's the address to that world that you're creating? <laughs> <laughs> i haven't downloaded that quite yet give us the link christine give it's us called the atlantis link. <laughs> yeah um that's too funny. Well, I'll tell you what, we have to go to a short commercial break, but we're getting into the really good stuff here. And that is talking about how we can create a better world for ourselves, but also what happens when we do that. Everyone else um, seems to benefit everything else. Um, when we're love, we create love. And that's just the way it goes. So if you're listening, we'll be back more with Layla Kamushian, and we're going to talk a bit more about her yoga and meditation practice within the practice of law. Don't go away. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. 
Voice America Business Network. You're tuned into Unstoppable You. To reach Christine Patton or her guest on the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email during the week to chris at powerwithin.ca. Now, back to Unstoppable You. And we're back. Hello, listeners. We're here today with Layla Kamushian, immigration lawyer who practices in the Los Angeles area. But more than that, she has a beautiful life also as a yogi. She has a strict, <laughs> a strictish <laughs> yoga practice and meditation practice, and she has changed her life. So inspiring for all of us to hear. So, Layla, um, I want to know your funny story about your first yoga retreat. Or yes. when you were first learning yoga or whatever happened with that, because I remember right. laughing really hard. <laughs> uh, so, no, it's actually the first time I went to a silent meditation retreat. Oh, silent it, meditation. Oh, even right. better. <laughs> so, uh, for someone who talks for a living and um, is, is I'm, I'm an extrovert, so, you know, imagine talking for yeah. a living and then Yeah, being I wouldn't do well either. <laughs> I uh, signed up. Uh, to go on a 10-day sil- silent retreat. Oh, my God. Um, and this is back in... What is wrong with you? <laughs> Just kidding. 2014, and I went... I, I actually signed up to go to... In Hawaii, which was really nice, because <gasps> it was a, ni- a big okay. island of Hawaii, really nice, nice uh, yeah. out- outdoor area. Mm. Um, okay, you're excused. I had, I, had, I had a choice between being in California or even, you know, other places, but I chose... I chose Hawaii. I decided that I'm going to fly there because I had heard that if, you know, a lot of people leave in the middle of it, if, if you can't handle it, you get up and leave. And I figured if I'm on an island, it's not easy to leave. So I did sure that. And um, in the, the first thing you get there, you actually have a chance to meet the other um, people who are attending the retreat and just chat a little bit before everybody just goes completely silent. Yeah, good. Um, I met a girl and we started chatting and uh, we didn't, you know, just briefly. And then we went into silent. So the 10 days that I was there, I saw her during the lunch break, which was from 11 to 1. We had a lunch break. I saw her walking and pacing back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> that could have been me, just so you know. <laughs> right. And, and you know, I, I was just, I was so concerned for her, even though I had my own concerns and it was, you know, I was going through my own experience with it. I was so concerned for her. And after we, um, I mean, mind you, I can go into detail about what I went through. Like the first two days that I sat in meditation, I actually drafted discovery responses on a case that I was handling in my mind. Right. That's what happens when you get quiet. You download your best ideas. It's, it can be really good for that. <laughs> the problem was I couldn't write anything down because you're not supposed to write anything down. So I was right. just going, drafting these questions in my head. Yeah. Um, anyhow, it, t- it takes about three days to really settle into your, okay. to your right. body. Um, and after that experience was over, uh, we started chatting and checking in with, other, with, with our friends over there again. And I went up to her, I said, Listen, I, you know, I saw you pacing all the time every day. Are, how, how are you feeling? Are you okay? She's like, you were concerned for me? I was concerned for you. I was thinking, oh, my God, what is the lawyer doing? What? <laughs> no kidding. 
that's funny. So um, the point of that story is that it, it <laughs> was it was a very difficult experience, and yet uh, it really it, it helped me a lot. It helped me a lot to realize that uh, how much we need to cut cut the world out. Mm-hmm. And stop the thoughts. I mean, Abraham says thoughts are resistant. They are. And it's a real challenge for many of us to become quiet, because especially people in the practice of law or any other profession that's very, well, okay, if you work, <laughs> I think all of us work. Um, our nervous systems are tuned to that constant being on, that constant being under stress and having to think and having to put out and having to show who we are and show up for our clients like we actually know something and we're going to get them the answer they want, right? That's difficult. And so to suddenly come to a screaming stop, um, and and I went through this too. I mean, sitting for five minutes, uh, you know, what my clients and I do is we create a habit, we create a container or a practice. And First, I just have them sit quietly for five minutes, and you just you, you, you just want to jump out of your skin. It's crazy, right? Did you feel like that? Yes, yes. Yeah. But it, it takes, like you said, the reason it's a ten day program is because they know that it takes the mind and the body about three to four days to to quiet. really settle, mm-hmm. and to, to quiet, quiet down and settle. And yeah. your fifth, and you start feeling really calm by or I was by fifth or sixth day. You're kind of like, okay, I'm actually this is blissful. Like I'm good. And you know what? Maybe I'll just stay in silence for the rest, yeah. of, my for the rest of my life. Yeah. And if we could all do that, that'd be great. I had a friend who used to go across to India uh, to um, a place there and she'd be gone for three or four months. And when she came back, I test her on my M wave and she was just perfectly coherent. And then with time that would become more reduced. Um, so yeah, those right. practices are so, so valuable. Tell me about Michael Stone. Okay, so Michael Stone was my yoga teacher, but he was a Canadian yoga teacher, so he was based in Canada. Oh, he's probably so much better than everybody else. <laughs> he passed on about three years ago, um, but uh, I, he's still my teacher because okay. I continue to follow his teachings. He has podcasts, and, and, and he wrote about um, probably seven books before the age of 42 when he passed. Wow. So he left, he left a great legacy. Basically, um, what Michael used to say is that he, he, he was great at explaining yoga philosophy. Mm-hmm. He used to say that yogis, a lot of yogis are corporate dropouts. Okay? Yeah. So, the yoga studios are filled with, with corporate dropouts um, who decide that what they signed up for in their corporate, so-called corporate lives is not working out. Didn't deliver. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And but what happens through yoga, he said that you you a yogi is someone who falls in love with their own body first. Mm, okay? Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, they are able to go out to the world and fall in love with the world mm-hmm. and do the work that's necessary for the world. Again, as within, so without. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Beautiful. I love that. So this is sort of a, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about him. It's a tribute to him. His teachings are online. Anyone who wants to look him up, um, mm-hmm. his podcast. But it, it's important because we are at a time globally yes. that, that, that social justice is, is a big topic. Absolutely. 
Okay. So when people say, oh, you know, you do yoga, meditation, you go on retreats and, you know, you basically. It's all about you. Right. Well, also like, oh, yeah, it's easy to turn off the world and be happy. But that's not what we want to do. Right. We don't want to we don't want to go retreat sit on a mountain. Right. right. And turn off the world because that that's easy. Ish. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we yeah, want- we want to do something in the world. We want to make our mark. We want to make a difference. We want to change lives, right? Right. But what we want to change lives uh, based on a foundation of having a practice. And I don't want to name a practice because I don't want to say, well, this is what I did. But what is, what is your practice? What, is, what can you find in your life that's grounding, Right. right? Right. In addition to your daily activities or as a main focus. I became a speaker, a coach, a heart math practitioner, a radio show host. Everything I do is to bring that message to the world. And I do it mainstream. Like it's, that's my main thing. But we can do it on the side and, and make life different for ourselves and for others. It's being that beacon of light, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's a very individual um, choice. And in the, you, every individual finds, has to find their own path. There's not one path. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, what do they say? Every soul has a different facet, like a, a crystal. Every crystal in the world is different or something. I love that one. Maybe right. I butchered that, but yeah, same idea. Um, so tell me, in your practice or even outside of your practice, what are you noticing about other women in business, women in law, other lawyers? Um, is there a lot of stress and burnout? Well, of course there is. That's a dumb question. But um, are people taking measures into their own hands to make themselves feel better? I think um, now they are. Right. I think also the younger, the younger female generation who is starting to come into the practice of law is more, somehow is more conscious and aware um, then, then, you know, uh, even my generation, I'm in my 40s, and I look at the, the female lawyers in their 30s and 20s, and they're much more aware of, of having a balanced life. Right. Also, women, we tend to be more um, uh, collective. Right. Okay? And we tend to build community more. Okay? To support so, ourselves. Yeah. Right. And to support each other. Right. And, and we build more connections. And we do. Have, Right. That's what we do as women. That's our that's our nurturing our, our natural. Well, for my studies and my my um, experiences, women are the nurturers. We naturally are. We have the babies. It's a, it's our calling to bring people into the world. Because guess what? The biological imperative is if we disappear off the face of the earth, well, we're all gone. So um, that's kind of the, how we do things. So it's it seems to feel more natural for many women, right, to create community, to care for one another. Um, and I think, I think there are men who do it and they do it beautifully, but I think there's some catching up to do because it's not naturally uh, what in their essence, what they do. They can. Right. And I think, I think the point of this is that, uh, you know, when we hit crisis, like right now we are, right, right. we have been a global crisis, the yeah. power of connection and community and the, the female uh the or the feminine energy, the feminine that, energy, right? right? The feminine yes, energy that female. creates that community mm-hmm. has come to be a vital part of this getting through this pandemic. It's how we're going to save ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, right. I agree with you. That's a great way to lead this. That's yes. beautiful. So I wanted to ask you. We we talked a little before the show started about um, a question to leave with our listeners. 
How do you think we could pose that question? So uh, I would love to know um, stories about uh, transformation that people have had through their own practice, whatever that is. Okay. Some people jog, they run, they hike, whatever the daily practices or, or whatever that grounds them. Um, give us some transformational stories. Yeah. And th- it, why is that important? It's important because when you share what you've done and what you've experienced and the beautiful transition you've made in whatever way that is, and it doesn't matter, people are inspired by that. And some people can say, oh, I didn't think that was a transformation thing I could do. Like, I didn't think jogging was transformational. Of course it is. Anything that we do to take care of ourselves, to love ourselves, is transformational. And so, yeah, the more people that we can uh, open up to the message of, you know, do something to love yourself because it's going to change you and the world. So that's a great question, Layla. Thanks very much. Um, Now, last thing I'd like you to tell us is how our listeners today can get in touch with you and find out more about you. Sure. So um, they can um, check check my website out, which is klglawyers.com. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm also very active on Instagram, and my handle is Layla, L-A-Y-L-A-E-S-Q, Layla E-S-Q. That's the Instagram handle, and they can just kind of message me on Instagram or send an email, my, um, my phone number there, um, and just... Tell me if, you know, they heard the show and if they want to talk about anything interesting or or related or tell me their stories, I would love to hear. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you today. What fun, Layla. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Of course. And we may do this again. Um, It's fun to trade our stories about law and our solutions for living, you know, a more mindful, physically healthy and heart-based life. Um, So thank you for taking time out of your busy life to do that and to share with all of our listeners your beautiful message of transformation. And I know everyone is feeling inspired by your message. So a big thank you for all your listeners to be here today at at Unstoppable You. This is a show where we discover lasting strategies and empowerment, resilience, and passion. And I hope you feel inspired to try something different. Or maybe you were reminded to do or think of something you'd forgotten, or maybe you just feel better by listening today. Uh, there are more of us sharing the same experiences. So do speak up, do connect, do share with us. And reminder to engage with me on my Facebook pages, Power Within Coaching or Chris Patton. Check out my website at powerwithin.ca. Um, and if you have a burning question, about the show today or any of the other shows I've had, anything about empowerment, resilience, and passion, uh, check in at Chris at Power Within. Next week, I have an amazing guest. Her name is Mary Tidland, whose story will fascinate you. Mary has been involved in the oil and gas industry, other business, business initiatives, is a philanthropist, and who began her life in a very interesting way, and you don't want to miss that one. So until then, have choose a wonderful week. I normally say have a wonderful week, but choose a wonderful week. Try something new. Ciao. Back with you next week. Thank you for listening to Unstoppable You. Please join Christine Patton for another edition of the program next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, take what inspired you today, practice it, and watch how life unfolds for you on your path to success. We'll talk again next week.